friends. Man, it is good to be back. It's uh, It's been a while, but it's good to be here. Um, it's been a crazy few months for me, but I'm just really happy to be back and sharing some of these episodes with you. I have a few more left before um, I'm going to take a step back and think about what the next step for redrawing the bath is. There's been a lot of life change over the last year or so for me and it's uh it's been really good it's been really difficult at times uh, very confusing and but i'm thankful and i'm glad that i've had this journey and this time to have these conversations um i just wanted to let you know i missed you guys i missed doing episodes so it's good to finally be back again so today i have a special opportunity this was actually my first interview post covid um with someone from a show called Almost Heretical named Nate Hansen. So Nate and his show Almost Heretical was probably one of the first podcasts I found when I started deconstructing. And and because of that, it really built a foundation of things that I was working with as far as my views on hell, as far as my views on um, women's ordination in the church, and just a bunch of theological concepts, um, the way that they break down the atonement is brilliant um but all that to say the show is has been incredibly formative and is super helpful if you guys are looking for more resources but because of ways that our lives had intersected at different points and in different places in the sense that we grew up in a similar stream of thought it it really was an honor to sit and talk with him post evangelicalism post eternity bible college post francis chan we talk about all of those things about why he started moving away from those movements and we talk about ways that we're hopeful for the church and so it's been really good it's been it it, it was really good i just listened to it as i was editing it (laughs) um but yeah i hope you enjoy it and so without further ado nate hansen from almost heretical Hello, friends. Welcome back to Redrawing the Bath. As always, this is your host, Chris Harmon. Today, I have a special opportunity. I always have a special opportunity, but today in particular to speak to someone who whose work has influenced me, has impacted me at a at a time in my life where I was I can't pick up the Bible. I can't pray. I can't do all these things where I felt frozen in this spiritual desert, um, if you will, before my deconstruction started and I started seeing a a more loving Jesus that was there all along. Um, this person with his show stepped in and, and really pushed me into a direction where I'm really happy. And I, I feel like I can have a spiritual practice again. And so today I get to welcome to the show one half of almost heretical Nate Hansen. Nate, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, Chris, I'm excited to talk. It's going to be good. And just, you know, when you said that, just thinking that's, uh, that's why I, I do what I do. And so I'm super grateful that anything that I've done or contributed to has impacted you or just, you know, when I get an email from someone that um, talks about how they can now, you know, maybe engage with the Bible again, or they can, like, I guess there was one, I was talking to a friend last night just about, um, uh, we did a series on the show about kind of the words of Paul and regarding like gender topics and mm. women, women leaders in the church and 
Um, and I just mentioned to this friend, I was like, you know, if, if something I did, I guess this comment I got back from someone on Instagram that was like, you know, thank you for saying that. I guess I, I apologized for like my contribution to, to that. And they were just like, thanks for, thanks for saying that. And I'm just picturing like, maybe that person's got a daughter and maybe she's going to grow up in a family, maybe a church or something like that because of a conversation I did where she, she doesn't have a ceiling. She could be a pastor. She could be a teacher. She could, you know, and just like, I do what I do. And so, yeah, your words meant a lot there. Thanks for saying that, Chris. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Paul and, and gender roles. I, it's, uh, the, <laughs> I, I, I honestly have been my, uh, my EBC self would be ashamed of myself because I think it's been almost two years since I've looked at one of Paul's letters. And now that my church is actually going through Romans, I'm like, okay, I actually feel safe <laughs> to read this stuff now. And I don't have my, uh, my panic attacks anymore. So <laughs> that's always a good thing, but Paul's, Paul's brutal, but yeah, no, it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's really good to have you on. And I mean, your show's impacted other people. It's impacted me, but before we start, I usually ask this question of, of what, what does your faith journey look like? What, what, what are some, some milestones along the way to the show that you do now? <laughs> How much time you got? No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, I got tons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you say before, before we start this, you know, this is going to be, it's a journey. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was raised in small Baptist church, very reformed church, um, outside of Portland here where I'm, mm. where I now live again. Um, you know, it's like family, both sides of my family, like everyone like went to this church, great grandma, founding member. Um, I was the junior high worship leader. I was the high school worship leader. And then eventually the big church worship leader, um, mm. and was eventually sent by that church, um, as a missionary to, um, to San Francisco. We'll get there, I guess. But yeah, I just remember being at a, um, at a high school retreat, high school, like conference, I guess. Um, and this guy, Francis Chan was there and I didn't know who it was. <laughs> didn't have any books at the time. It was just this, you know, just evangelist teacher guy. And, uh, and I just remember being just captivated by this message and felt like this is what I need to do with my whole life. This is what I need to, I mean, I was raised Christian, right. But like, this was my, I feel like my call to like ministry or to a radical way of living. Um, mm. and then like flash forward, I guess, flash forward, I guess, to college, I was taking the bus into, um, a local school here and every day and just listening to a Francis sermon on the way in Francis sermon on the way out, maybe mix in a little David Platt here and there. And just like, this was my whole, my whole senior year of college. I was just getting radicalized, I guess, in, uh, in this way of <laughs> being a Christian. And, um, but yeah, I just remember, especially like growing up, um, I don't know if anyone ever told me this, but my, my feeling of the reformed religion, re reformed Christianity that I, that I had was just, you know, I'd say words like fear and guilt and shame and just not good enough. And God was mm. upset with me, you know, like no one necessarily told me yeah. this, but this is just what, this is what, these are the kind of things that I felt. Um, and I think mm. what we feel, and this is going to be like a theme, I guess, in my story, but like what we feel is really important, you know? It's it's really important to acknowledge that and to um, to try to realize why am I feeling that and and what is that what is that telling me and to listen to those things. Uh, but anyways, that's I felt a lot of that and 
Then I got this guy. I feel like I'm not good enough, right? And then I got this guy speaking at a high school camp telling me, you're not, <laughs> essentially, you're not good enough, right? Like for yeah. anyone who's familiar with Francis's message, I mean, yeah, you're like, you're not good enough. And, and then here's, he's presenting this, this, uh, this path to like, essentially make God not upset with me and God, God, not, you know, this, like, these feelings of like guilt and shame and like, you're not measuring up, like, here's the, here's the way to, to do this the right way, be radical, be crazy, crazy in love with God. And, um, and I just, I, that just felt right. It just felt right. It felt like that is the answer to, to what I've been feeling. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from there moved to Southern California after college to be a part of Francis's church to go to, this is where I guess our, um, our similarities start, but like Eternity Bible College, I audited some classes there. Um, and I was a part of the the community there at the church. And I also, right at that same time, I had to get a job to live down there. And um, the job I got was, uh, I was the producer of this huge Christian radio show in Los Angeles. And so it's just, it's crazy. So the show is very, was very Republican, very conservative, very, Obama had just gotten elected. Um, this is 2008. <laughs> And so the, yeah. the whole Christian conservative radio world is just sad and depressed and this is the end of the world, you know, like, and so that's right when I entered, you know, maybe two weeks before he got elected is when I entered the Christian radio culture knowing nothing about, I mean, I grew up with Christian radio, I guess, but I didn't know anything about that whole world. So I'm going to Francis's church getting radicalized. And then I'm just frustrated when I go to work at the radio show, because we're not focused on the gospel enough here. It's all about, you know, Christianity and Republicanism and all this stuff. And, um, so I was like, we need to be less political and more focused on the gospel. And I, my thoughts would be different now, but, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. like that was, that was, uh, I call it like call Simi Valley, my radicalization, radicalization boot camp, essentially mm. bunch of, bunch yeah. of people. And you were at the college. So, you know, like a bunch of people, uh, <laughs> radicalizing together and get, then getting sent out into different places around the country and around the world. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the beginning of it. And then ended up moving back to Portland. So a couple of my friends, um, including Francis had moved to San Francisco, um, to start a ministry there or to join a ministry there. And they invited me down to check it out. So I, I came and checked it out and to this, this will describe like where I was at this point, where my radicalization had taken me because, um, I, I come down to check out this ministry in the Tenderloin district of San Francisco. And my friend is showing me around We're walking down the street and I'm trying to evaluate, like, what am I going to do next? Is this where I'm going to go? Is this, is this the next step in my life of ministry? And this mm. guy walking down the street in San Francisco, right? This is like, this is pretty big, like tech capital of the world, right? We're walking down the yeah. street in San Francisco and this guy just punches my friend in the mouth, like just out of the oh blue, walking, walking past us on the sidewalk. And, uh, and you know, if you're not familiar with the Tenderloin, it's this area in the city where they kind of, the city kind of sweeps all the homeless, the drug addicts um, into this like 10 block radius um, and there's mm -hmm. a bunch of single resident apartment complexes. They're old hotels essentially with like needle drops on each floor and 
shared bathrooms at the end of the hall. They they stink and they're just gross and people are essentially they're addicted to something until they die. And yeah. so this is this is the this is the area we're walking around in and when this happens. But I just remember thinking, wow, this is this is dangerous. This is crazy. This is extreme. This is where I need to be. Like that just lined up with all of mm. the the teaching, the just everything just lined up to where this yeah. is where I need to be. This is the this is the path for me is to be in a, a dangerous spot like this. And so I moved down, I think a couple of weeks later, three, four weeks later. Um, and I was there for a year at that ministry, being a pastor to these apartment complexes, trying to uh, basically trying to talk old addicted people into Jesus. And uh, that just didn't go very well. Not a lot of, not a lot of fruit there. Didn't see a lot of fruit there. Um, hmm. And then towards the end of that time, Francis, myself, and then one other guy had wanted to start churches. That was sort of what we wanted to do was plant churches, not so much this homeless ministry that we had been a part of. So we left to do that. We left and we went to a different area called um, the Bayview, Bayview District of San Francisco, which kind of the opposite end of the end. It's, it's, it's a younger crowd. Um, we started, plant, we planted a church in his house. And eventually that kind of grew because things grow, I guess, when you have, you know, just celebrity pastors involved, things tend to grow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, funny how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah, <laughs> we split that off into um, a couple houses. And so I was leading one at my house and someone else was leading one at their house. And I just started noticing things. I noticed things like, and I'm sure a lot of listeners would have this inter uh, this experience, I guess, with with a leader in their church or something like that. But when that leader is around, when that leader would come, when Francis would come to my church versus going to the other church, I would, the crowd, the, the, the group would be more engaged. They'd be, they'd share crazier stories. They were, they'd worship a little bit harder than they usually do. They, you know, just mm. more impassioned prayers and, and things like that. And it's like, that just feels fake. You know, yeah, and then, and then it's like, is this, is it always fake? You know, is it always fake? Even when he's not here, is it, is it always fake? And so, these were the, uh, these were a lot of the mm. thoughts that I had at the time, and just you know, felt like this competition to like share the craziest stories. Where we, you know, it's like, are we, do we, are we actually seeing any works of the Holy Spirit here, or are we just kind of making stuff up because we want this to be this really cool thing we're doing? And um, mm. that was some of the early thoughts of like just kind of feeling disillusioned with a lot of this. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see. So I guess flash forward, there was, we would go and try to do ministry to this, um, to these gangs. And, uh, there was one of our leaders, one of our pastors was a bit more plugged in, a bit more connected to the, the different players, I guess, in the gang scene there. So he was just more connected with them. And, um, and he had heard that there was going to be this, this day where like this fight was going to go down. There was going to be a turf war. Like it was happening on this day at this location. And there was just talk on the street of this happening. And he, and he had this idea of like, what if we get the church? What if we bring the church to this project where the fight was going to be? And if we all worship and pray and we're there, maybe we can like stop this. Maybe we can, you know, the power of prayer can like stop this. And so the whole church, I think it was a Sunday and the whole church, we, just kind of canceled all the other stuff we were doing, all the other, you know, church services or whatever the at the houses. And we just met on this basketball court 
in the middle of this project. And there's one way into this project. There's one little road that goes in and the basketball courts like towards the back. Um, and we're, we're all just kind of like in a big circle on the basketball court. I think someone probably has a guitar and we're just like singing <laughs> and praying and there's kids, there's families. And then the, the shots start just <laughs> ringing out around us. Um, oh Lord. And you know, you can kind of see, it's almost like watching as they're kids, they're 14 year olds, 15 year olds. It feels like watching kids play like Nerf or something. They're just running around hiding behind buildings and walls. And, um, and you know, we knew, we knew this community pretty well here. And so I didn't think someone was going to like intentionally shoot us, but you got like a 14 year old running around with a pistol. I was just afraid <laughs> someone was going to accidentally get shot or something like that. Um, yeah. And so I'm kind of like, looking at the other leaders. There's maybe two other leaders there. And then, you know, then I'm responsible for this. Someone gets hurt. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here and I'm, I'm responsible for this, this situation. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the other pastors and kind of just making eye contact. Like, <laughs> I think we need to, we need to get out of here. I think we need to just call it. And, um, and they, you know, lift their hands higher and they worship harder. And I just remember feeling like my body's like shaking. It's like, we got to, this isn't good. We need to, we need to get out of here. And this is one of those times of like, you know, listening to what your body is feeling, which is something that I think we're told to not do. We're told to deny, suppress, you know, not, not listen to those feelings, not listen to your, your bodily response to things. Um, cause it's all about, you know, it's all about this book. It's all about, um, trusting God, um, not, your because God's ways are higher than our ways, right? Like his thoughts are higher than so we can't trust our thoughts. We can't trust ourselves. Besides, we're totally depraved, you know, we can't who am I to anyways. <laughs> so is the I mean the theology is like I'm having this battle right on this right on the basketball court of like this is what I said I wanted. I wanted mm. you know it's like the it's the bullet test, right? Like the gun to your head. Are you gonna deny Jesus or you do you have the faith to stand and um and ultimately like I kind of led a few other people just to my car and we just, we, we left. Um, and I went back to my apartment and I, sh- I was like shaking and I felt, and this is the crazy thing. It's like, I felt so much guilt and shame for leaving, for not having the faith to, to stay there, for not having the, for being the one that defected essentially. Um, and not, trusting like i feel like everyone else trusted that if there was a bullet coming at us that god was just gonna like whew, turn the bullet or something and <laughs> yeah so like i just yeah and i feel like that sort of started my whole i'm like this is what it was all about right this is this is why i'm here this is what i said i wanted this is what i said i wanted to do and that kind of started my whole i guess and i really don't like the word deconstruction but it was sort of after that, that I, I kind of was looking at everything going like, I don't even know, <laughs> started reading some books and start talking to people. And it's like, so much of what we were doing there was based on the heaven and hell thing. And it's like, I don't think I definitely at that time, at least I was like, I don't think I believe in at least the hell that we've created and that we've been talking about. Like, I definitely don't believe mm. in that anymore. And so what am yeah. I, what am I doing? You know, I don't have this, the faith to stand in the midst of the bullets. I don't believe in hell and so i just kind of took a step (laughs) back and um stopped teaching and ultimately just you know life events and things just led us back to portland and um 
yeah and it's like that was that was sort of my the ministry days the pre-show ministry days that led me to like the deconstruction stuff but yeah it's just crazy when i think about how we suppress our feelings so much yeah yeah no i mean shoot there's so much to to unpack there of i mean we could go total depravity we could go uh, francis chan making people feel like they're not good enough we could go i mean that, i think that's a good place to start of like i mean i don't know i, I, I feel like being raised <clears throat> probably in a similar church environment it, it, it's interesting so like reading francis chan for years i was like he's amazing he's prophetic he's um passionate he's bold and and in some respects i still think all those things about him um but i'll never forget it was like I was 22. The first time someone pointed out, they're like, man, he just makes me feel like I'm not good enough. And I was mm. like, no, no, there's no way. Not Francis. And then I went back and read like I, I, I reread uh, letters to the church and I was just like, OK, like I, I agree with some of the stuff he's saying here, but like he's making me feel like crap. now. <laughs> like mm. you're not supposed to make me feel like crap, Francis. Come on. Um but like, I don't know, like what, I mean, what, what is that relationship like now with, with you as far as, I mean, I don't know, growing up in a, in a theology that kind of teaches us not to trust ourselves and teaches us, well, no, Chris, no, Nate, you're not doing enough. And, and here's why. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with that, but like, what, what is your relationship with that? Like now? Hmm. Yeah, that's that was funny. Like I had I had similar just friends even when we were all part of they were at the Bible college, they were part of the church down there as well. His his church and things. And um I remember I had a friend one time tell me, just you just made me think of this, but like they were like, Yeah, I, I can't I just can't go on Sundays anymore. Like I can't listen anymore. I just feel so much such a burden and so heavy after. And I just remember thinking, like, what? Like this is amazing, this is awesome. Like, how could you how could you feel that? You know, but I respected this friend <laughs> yeah. and so I yeah, I remember like trying to get there, trying to think about that but it just it was it was just scratching my itch at the time and so I didn't I, I just couldn't get there but I see it now I totally see it now mm. um and yeah like I think I was thinking the other day just about for anyone who's familiar with like Calvinism out there and the they have the, the five points of Cal Calvinism and tulip t-u-l-i-p uh I'm, I'm sad that I can list them all but total depravity unconditional election right to you l limited atonement irresistible yeah. grace and perseverance of the saints and yep. i think of all of those total depravity is just such a such a killer um yeah. it it changes everything and then you get into um oh, the uh, uh original sin and ideas like that and that's not mm. that's not maybe new with calvinism but that's maybe a bit older but these ideas that mm. there's something wrong about us. There's something wrong with us. There's something that needs to change from the moment, but before you're born, there's something that is, um, it's incorrect about, about you. And, you know, we draw that, uh, the big chasm, you know, and then everyone, I feel like mm -hmm. who grew up in the church and maybe even some who didn't are familiar with that, that picture of these two cliffs, and the separation between you and God and something it's just, even if we stop there, we don't get to Jesus yet, but like that's, there's a problem. There's a problem that needs to be fixed. And starting with this idea of problem. Um, and the problem is it's inherent to us. Um, 
psychologically, I got like therapist friends and, um, you should, uh, listeners should check out, um, my friend, uh, Crispin Mayfield, he's got a show that he's doing with another therapist called attached to the invis attached to the invisible. And it's all about attachment theory. And they, they, they like show that how they're like bringing attachment theory. He's going to write a book on it too. And everyone should check that out, but they bring mm. attachment theory and they compare it to like how this like is happening within the church and within our theology, these, mm. these bad attachments that we, that we are, um, that we're making. And essentially this like thinking about that of like, it's pretty crazy to, to live your life. I mean, I got, I got two kids and um, I'm so glad that most of my, uh, the raising of kids days happened after I got rid of that. I, what I think is a pretty horrible way to view children a horrible way to view people, which mm. is that they start with a problem. They start with something wrong with them that needs to, that needs to change. And so you're right. Your, your whole goal as a parent then is trying to get them to see. And it's the same thing when you meet a friend as a Christian, you meet a friend and it's like, I need to get them to see their problem. I need to get them to see what's wrong, you know? So yeah. it's crazy. Like you're trying to, and I don't know if you've had this experience, Chris, but like people just don't, that's not just, that's just not how people feel. Like people don't yeah. feel like they have a problem. We have to like yeah. introduce a problem in order to get them to, <laughs> to like see, need, need a solution, you know? So that, that's like yeah. step one of evangelism is like, get them to see they have a problem. It's probably actually step one. That is step one in like the Kirk Cameron, like way of the master craziness oh, yeah. um it's just it, yeah so i i mean i don't that's not how i view people anymore and it's really yeah. refreshing even if someone hasn't like deconstructed and is not like on the verge of losing their faith or something but just even that even if you're still a christian just think about you know it's just it's so freeing to see people that way see people as there's not a problem there's not some separation from god and i know that there's a lot of christians that weren't raised maybe in the reformed tradition and they don't they, they were mm. maybe taught more of the love and god is love and you know, he's always loved you and you're always connected to, you know, but that's just yeah. not, that's just not really, at least from my experience, a common message in the reform tradition, but I think it's, it messes people up. No, totally. And, and yeah, I mean, not at all. It, it, it's not a, it's not very common for anyone in the reformed community to tell you that you're anything but a pile of human garbage. Yeah. But I mean, and that's the thing I was, I was thinking about this the other day of like, I don't remember who it was that was talking about it on their podcast. It might've been Dan Koch. I don't, I don't know. Um, but they were talking about the idea that we like to make theology out of these kind of like, okay, like people like to say like, Oh, well the Bible's clear about this. The Bible's clear about this. The Bible's clear about this. Yeah. Like the, the most popular one is like the Bible's clear about homosexuality. And it's like, well, actually it's only mentioned like six times, seven, if you're like, blatantly misusing a text but it's only mentioned six times and none of those times have any application to like modern day um iterations of the topics in the text but it's it's an interesting problem where it's like the especially total depravity is another great example that i'd love to see people explore more is like people are like well the, the heart is deceitful and and uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god and it's like these are these like little texts that you are using to form the entire way that you view people. And it's, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, I think the Bible's clear about certain things. I think it's clear that Jesus is Lord. I think it's clear that uh, 
don't be afraid and take care of the homeless. Like, I think that there are these recurring themes that you see time and time again in the scriptures, but then like we take one verse out of Romans and one verse out of wisdom literature. And we're like, yep, humans are just bags of shit. Like, I don't, I don't know like what to do with that. Like, what do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I thought a lot about like, why, why, you know, cause, because it's not clear and because, um, almost feels like the opposite sometimes is, is clearer in some of the, um, the texts that we have in their Bibles, but I'm like, why, you know, why, why did we set it up that way? Why are people promoting that? Why, why is, why is that continued? Um, I guess that the only thing I can think is it, it then takes, uh, it, it takes it off of this ambiguity of like what people feel and it puts it on what this Bible says. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I grew up with like, uh, the father, son, and the Holy Bible, you know, like that was sort of the, yeah. the, the thought that I would have, I would have had is like, this book is almost more important than our experience of, of, of God and the Holy Spirit for sure. And, um, and so if you then have, a an idea that you are, and it's, you know, it settles, it settles all arguments. If I come mm. to you and I'm like, you know, this just doesn't, this just doesn't square with like what, what people are experiencing. This doesn't, which is, I feel like my story now is like, I, when I take these ideas to, when I used to take those ideas to like the world, they didn't want them. They didn't yeah. need them. They didn't like them. They didn't, re- it didn't resonate and it started to not resonate with me, but, um, and then, so like you bring that to someone and, and they go, you know, and I feel like a lot of people that have deconstructed hear this. It's like, oh, you're just going with what you want, what you feel, you know, you're feeling mm. and like, um, there's even verses like the itching ears, they'll go after whatever, <laughs> that are going to itch, you know? And, yeah. uh, and so if you have a, if you have an idea, an interpretation of the Bible that is, you know, you can't actually know things. <laughs> you can't actually, you know, you're, you're feeling, you're, you're, you're totally depraved so that you are, impo- it's impossible for you to know right from wrong and for you to know good and evil and for you to know, you know, what's, what are healthy ways to live and for you to know, like, if, so if that's, if, if you have that in your, in your toolbox, I'm not saying everyone's out to intentionally do this but it is a helpful thing to have to say hey listen we can't we can't just go with whatever we feel we have to come back to this book and what does this book say the problem with that though Mm. is that and we have to we have to bring our (laughs) we have to we have to be able to say we are all doing interpretation of of this text we're doing interpretation based on color of our skin based on how much money we had as our family growing up, family of origin, how much money we have currently, where we grew up, the location, um, the point in history that we're in. Like all of these are our contexts that we're reading into mm. the text. And if someone's not not aware of or not, um, not telling you the context that they're reading from, I, you gotta be pretty pretty wary of of that teaching because that if they're saying this is the these are the lines you'll hear like it's the plain reading of scripture i'm just i just look at this and i it's the clear it's what the words clearly say the word the clear and that's just it's impossible that doesn't exist yeah first of all this is in english you know <laughs> an english yeah. translation done by humans of a, an ancient text and we're living in 
2021 now. We're in an affluent America. We're there's there's so many different things that we're reading into this. It's impossible to do just a, a clear, plain reading of of the text. So mm. I think I don't know. I guess to re- wrap back to the question, like I think that is just a helpful thing to have. Just it kind of like flattens everything and says, you know, we can't. You you know, you're challenging this. You're challenging, but we 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 can't do any of that. We we can't know. We're totally depraved. We've got to come back to whatever this book says, um, and it usually means that whatever their interpretation of of that book says. Oh yeah, isn't it always convenient that it's the systems that don't like what you're saying that are telling you that, like, well, you're totally depraved, and it's like, well, like, aren't like aren't you too? Like, according to to what you're telling me, like, if I can't trust myself, why should I trust you? Like, why why should I submit myself to, to your teachings if we're all in the same boat of not being able to understand this thing? And I think I don't know. I I feel like so much of it. I mean you bring up like the plain reading of scripture. And I think another big one that consistently like you hear is this uh, like gospel centered, um, like you just throw that adjective in front of anything. And it's like the gospel centered small group and the gospel centered marriage and the gospel centered uh, outreach and the gospel centered uh, like education or like whatever the, the, the term that people want to use is. And it's, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit of like, this just isn't something that people want to hear. Like the the idea that we have to introduce a problem to someone that doesn't have a problem. And like somehow we slap that and be like, yep, that's good news. Like that's the gospel is me telling you that you're wicked. And I just, I, I don't know. I'll never, I'll never understand that. And like, I don't know, you and I both come from, from pretty similar backgrounds as far as theology with Francis Chan and whatnot. But like, what like what is the gospel i think that's like my big question like to you now like what is the good news yeah (laughs) i mean uh i don't know but Mm. i i i hope that if someone is going around saying this is the good news i hope that it's actually good news and and the reason i say Mm. that is because i think one of the things that became so exhausting in um the the ministries that that i was leading and uh, that i was um a part of and starting and all this stuff was calling things that weren't good good Mm. like psychologically it's just it's it's exhausting to kind of just continue doing that so in the basketball court with the shooting going on around, that's an example of something that we were saying, this is good. You know, we're in the right spot. This is where and it's like, but my body is telling me, no, you know, my body's yeah. telling me this is not, this is, this is not where I need to be. And this is not, this is not good, but it's even, mm. you know, and you know, you mentioned um, when we were chatting before we jumped on this call, like about penal substitutionary atonement or something like that. Like we're, we have to say, I had to say in that, in that world that it's good that God uh, you know, was gonna essentially kill me, but he took out, you know, at the last second, he turns and punches Jesus instead of me, you know, it's like, and that's good. That's a, that's, that's good that he took out his wrath on his son instead of, it's like, that's not good. You know, like if I was to say, if I was to do that just for somebody with my own children, 
no one's looking at that and saying, wow, what a good, what a good dad, what a good father. Yeah. But, but it's God. And so then it's good because it's, you know, it's like, well, his, and then it comes back to that. Well, his ways are higher than our ways. And we don't understand, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, but, you know, it's cycle. And that's why these ideas don't work when you take them to the world. That's why they don't want them is because we're, we're making someone say, and we're, we ourselves are having to say things are good that are not good. And things are, are bad that are actually good things. Um, yeah. Like your feelings and your emotions and your senses that are survival mechanisms over the, mm. the course of evolutionary history. And we're having to say, those are, those are bad things. Like, mm. Actually stop doing that. Stop listening to your body shaking. Stop listening to when you start to sweat. And when you start like, these are, these are, we have these yeah. signals, we have these, these, these signals that we're given to survive. And we have to say, those are bad. Those are, that's wrong. And I would yeah. even say like in, in their own worldview, like God gave you those, right? If, if that's what you believe, then these are created all of you. And those are, those are from God. And you're saying, deny those and don't listen to them. I think that's just psychologically damaging. I do want to say, like, I do want to throw in that, like, when I talk about Francis and I talk about some of the, the things I was a part of, I will tell you, like, I got very, very close to Francis, you know, very good friends. Mm. Um, he is, he does believe what he says. So he, yeah. he is, you know, a lot of these like leaders that you see, I know because I've like been a part of the Christian culture of, I just through the radio, through Christian radio and now through podcasts, like I, I meet a lot of, and I've talked to a lot of Christian leaders and celebrities over the years or whatever. And it's just, I'm sick of it anyways, but anyway, okay. But then a lot of them though, like <laughs> yeah. you see the scandals and you see the, like, you actually dig into their finances and they're, it's just not the real deal. It's just not the real thing. He really yeah. does believe what he says. I mean, I saw him have people living in his house um, fresh out of prison, and I saw him giving stuff away to people, including me, as I needed. I didn't have a lot of money in San Francisco, and um, t taking care of people, sending all of his money away. And um, so I I'll say that. I, I disagree with a lot of his ideas, um, mm. and I did see power, uh, even unintentionally, I think, sometimes used against people in, in our church and in, um, and just not a sharing of leadership, not a sharing of power and, um, and people getting manipulated and people leaving the church because of that. So I will say, I will say that, but like, as far as believing what they preach, like that was, that was definitely there, but just want to throw that yeah. in whenever I talk about things. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you of just like, yeah, he definitely, he definitely believes what he says. And it's been actually interesting over the last, like, few months kind of seeing him come around and talking to eastern orthodox guys about have you have you followed up with any of that i mean i think i saw something about it i'm pretty out of touch with with a lot of that now but yeah i think i saw something about that oh yeah he's he had a i think it was like two or three like long conversations with two eastern orthodox guys about like inerrancy and the sacraments and it was it was really interesting like i think one of the things that really stuck out to me was he was i mean it was in the context of church discipline. So my eyes kind of rolled a little bit. Um, but he was talking about like during his time at Cornerstone or during his time at, uh, at the house churches he was doing in San Francisco that he would, uh, he would get so frustrated with people that wouldn't submit themselves to church discipline because the elders were quote unquote above reproach. And I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to turn this off now. But he, uh, he brought up a really interesting point. He's like, but I realize now that that's what I've been doing all along with the church fathers. And I was like, huh, Francis, you might be onto something here. Um, so it's, uh, 
it's interesting kind of seeing that whole uh his whole thing about communion and whatnot kind of come full circle and who knows he might become more eastern orthodox in the next few years we might see that happen yeah i mean if he started with his view on hell that'd be a great place to start but um... (laughs) yeah yeah no i agree um but yeah i mean i don't know i think talking about feelings and and like the i mean bring it in total depravity like heart is deceitful above all else but like so much of i mean we talked a little bit about church like church experiences and like we talked a little bit about our stories before we started recording and and certain things that um i'm currently experiencing outside of church with with certain like life changes um and it's an interesting thing where you literally have to like deprogram yourself to be to recognize that like okay like my emotions are okay like the fact that i want this to be over is okay like the fact that i don't feel like i need or i should submit myself to this leader is okay like the and and there, the list goes on and on right of of how we kind of allow ourselves not to perpetuate abuse in the sense that we become complicit but if we find ourselves in spiritually abusive situations or emotionally abusive situations as christians quote unquote whether it's in certain commitments like i mean something as quote unquote sacred as marriage or something as simple as church membership we kind of put ourselves in these positions where it's like no but like i have to like i have to i have to completely ignore my emotional side of it i have to completely ignore like you said i mean i believe that like the god-given survival and defense mechanisms um that we've been given and i i don't know i mean as far as navigating through those waters i think for so many people whether they're thinking about leaving a church or they're thinking about um starting a church or they're thinking about doing all sorts of different things um i mean you know, uh, you, you probably know better than I do the, the, the types of decisions that people are, are kind of feeling like they're being forced to make. Um, where's a good place to start for people that are like, I need to disentangle and detach my emotions from this thing that from, for some of us since day one, we've been told like, no, you need to commit yourself to this. Yeah. I guess the next part of my story is going from this time in San Francisco to like, I, I came back to Portland. I just felt like, like, what was that? Like, mm. there was just this, this time of, um, I was like, I'm not, I am not going to teach. I'm not going to try to like start something. I'm not going to, I think I was going to a, a church cause I ended up like, um, really learning a lot from Tim Mackey. Um, and so I went to, he's started the Bible project. And so he was teaching up here mm-hmm. before that. And, um, kind of just heard, went and sat and listened to him for a while, for a couple of years. Um, and I was like, I'm, I made an effort. I'm not getting a part of any community groups at this church. I'm just, I'm just here, just going to listen and get out. Um, and I think that's what I needed. And I guess that's, that's what I, I would say to someone is like, it's okay. And then there was a season where I didn't go to church um, for a while. And there was a season where I, you know, dabbled with a Episcopal church and then a Anglican church. And then eventually like, I don't, I don't think that's, I just need a, a break again. It's, you know, I couldn't listen to a sermon for a while just cause like, I, I still really don't, but, um, someone, <laughs> someone getting up and telling me they're generally a white man, you know, which, which I understand I'm a white man too, but, um, 
telling me what they think the Bible says and just, I need to be done with that. And so I guess I, I guess mm. I would just tell someone who has, it, but it felt so wrong as I guess what I was going to say. It felt so wrong initially to be like, I'm not going to church on Sunday. You know, just like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, that's what I would say to someone is like, it's okay. Like you probably need a break. I, mm. I, I was telling a friend this the other, the other day, I was like, I think everyone who has grown up in the church should be required to take whether they're going to deconstruct and ultimately not become not a Christian after or whatever, but like, even if they just remain, but like they should, everyone should have to take a break for a year or something. It's like, mm. you're not allowed to go to church for a year. You're not allowed to <laughs> be a part of a small group or a ministry or anything for a year. Maybe you're not even allowed to read your Bible for a year. I know this sounds Ooh. crazy, but yeah. just take a break, experience the world, experience life, and then maybe re-engage. You're, I guarantee you're going to re-engage in, in, different ways um, yeah but definitely for someone who is feeling like what i don't you know and i think there's it's a common feeling of like i don't even know i don't even have the words this is what i felt when i was in san francisco like these words that i shared today for someone listening it might feel like wow but he knows what he he knows what he experienced he knows like i couldn't put i had no clue i didn't say any of that when i was leaving san francisco i didn't know mm. it's like i just felt lost and confused and disillusioned and a bit upset and um, done. And that's, that's, that's what I was feeling was like, what was that? Like a bit of guilt, a bit of shame. Like I had, I, it takes, it's taken me now five or six years to get these words to even be able to, hmm. I'm still, I would still tell someone I'm processing San Francisco. I'm processing Simi Valley. I'm processing my uh, Southern California. I'm processing all of this. And so I would just say, but the only, the only way I'm able, I was able to do that is by taking a break. So for someone who's feeling mm. that at all was feeling like, I, I don't know what's wrong here. Something feels wrong. Something feels off. This isn't, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't how I thought I was going to feel at this point in my experience of this church or this ministry that I'm a part of or, or whatever. I would say, just take a break because that's mm. the only way you're going to, it's, it's in getting that distancing in getting that space that you're able to look, you know, you can't see what the city is like when you're like, what the whole city's like when you're like walking around in it. But when you get up in the plane, you can look down and be like, Oh, okay. Like that's where that is, or that's what that road means over there. Or that's what that building is, or that's where the ocean is. Or that you got to get some space. You got some distance, some elevation from something to be able to look back and, and really know what, what it is and what you're feeling. And I guarantee if you're going to re-engage with it again, you're going to re-engage in a different way. And if, and if not, you know, you've now slid down the slippery slope and it's not that scary. Yeah, no, not at all. It's uh it's actually quite quite nice down here. Um <laughs> No, but and that's and that's the thing too is like you I don't know. It, it, you come to a point where I I don't remember what it was particularly in my in my deconstruction. It was weird because I was like at least as far as I was going like I was full on deconstructing as I was going to a Southern Baptist church. So I was like mm -hmm complete sensory overload as far as what was going on in my brain and what I was hearing on Sunday morning. And, and I don't, I, I wish now I look back and I really wish I had taken a break, but I think that I had to, I, I think to an extent, like I emotionally distanced myself from what was going on. Like I, I really kind of shut off a part of my brain because for so long, I mean, you know, like you, you're kind of taught to just kind of submit to what people tell you that are in leadership, because 
again, you're totally depraved and like the Holy Spirit has predestined these people to be above you for this specific point in time. And that always goes over so well. Um, but it, it was an interesting moment where I think it was reading the sinners in the hands of, of a loving God and, and talking about like kind of meeting Jesus for the first time in so many different ways um, and talking to people about uh, the death penalty or talking to people about certain uh, like certain hot topics when it comes to violence. And it's always quoting Moses or Joshua or whoever. And I'm like, I, I finally came to a point where I was like, I don't really care like what Moses or Joshua say. Like I'm, I'm much more interested in what Jesus has to say. And like, you come to, and it's it's interesting because like I thought I was gonna like combust and explode for just for saying that, but I think when you do distance yourself, you also get the courage to be prophetic. And obviously, like my Southern Baptist friends would disagree with my my usage of that word, um, but like the ability to speak truth into a situation where it's like you need to figure this out. Like you need to recognize that you're literally using a prophet to hide from the son of God. Like that's literally what's going on here. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know what to do with that. I, I I don't know. Cause I honestly, like I'm really in a place and I don't know if you relate to this at all, but I'm really in a place where with people that are like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about staying in my church. I'm thinking about like being honest with, with the leadership. I'm thinking about, xyz i'm really in a place where i'm like if you don't want to be there like don't be there like just don't go like take a minute like go to brunch on sunday morning like everybody else like you'll be okay or maybe don't go to brunch because of covid but like you know what i mean like i i feel like i'm really in a place right now or and it might just be disillusionment or trauma or whatever but i really am like people come to me and they're like should i keep going to this church and it, like knee-jerk reaction is no <laughs> like I don't yeah. like, I don't know what to do with that, especially as someone who's like trying to push people into what I believe is like a better picture of Christianity to be like, Hey, part of this is like, maybe don't go to church anymore. Um, and I'm probably the biggest hypocrite in the world for that because I, I still go to church every Sunday. Um, but like, what do you, like, what do you do with that? Like, how do you, how do you deal with, I guess, like personal hurt and also dealing with the stories of the people that you encounter through the podcast and through what y'all do at Almost Heretical. Oh, it's, it's heavy. Um, yeah. I think that is probably the most surprising thing for me just in these last three or four years of doing the show is, um, I just, I didn't know when we started, I, I knew, I felt like there was a lot of people that were feeling the same ways that as I was, but I just didn't know the, um, the stories. And just, I think getting those flooded with emails of people, um, sharing their story and, you know, just reading those and, um, <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming, um, just to know, cause I didn't experience some of the I, ex I experienced my own things um, as I've shared or whatever, but um, there's a lot, there's a lot of more deeper significant hurt than, than what I experienced. And mm. it's, it's heavy. It's heavy to read that. It's heavy to then, you know, jump back on the show again and feel like I'm carrying all of these mm. stories with me as I, as I do this show and try to, 
trying to give voice to to all these different experiences um and then you know and then getting pushback from people that you know just people end up listening to the show that don't that show's probably not for them right now and they end up listening and and they'll they'll reach out they'll write in as well um and they got their pushbacks they got their and i'm just going we're but you don't see the emails. You don't. You don't see the stories. You don't experience it. And that's the thing about mm. about church and the way it's set up is that when someone leaves, their story is kind of silenced. It's kind of done. We don't. Yeah. We the machine goes on. I don't mean machine even like in a. They're trying to hurt us. They're trying. To, I don't even mean it like that. But it's just, it is going to go on and it's going to keep going. And that person is no longer with us. And we're we got to keep going. We got this marching orders from Jesus, and we're. We're going, you know, but yeah. So we don't ever have these times of reckoning almost. It's like this and this time in mm, in history yeah. in this country right now is one of the one of the greatest mass exoduses of of people from Christianity that probably the the country's ever experienced. And yeah. it's not really talked about. You know, it's not the as far as from the church, like they don't they don't you you know you'll see pieces from the gospel coalition written about written about doubt or about whatever you know but basically it's just <laughs> writing to the choir trying to keep them feeling confident in the direction that they're headed it's not like yeah. hey we need to really wrestle with what these voices are saying you know we got these we got these large groups out here now where I mean our shows our show is large it's not as big as like let's say like the liturgist or something who has millions and millions of listeners my point is there's all of these people that are trying to find little groups or connection points but this this the nuns the n-o-n-e-s's um of no longer affiliated with a church still maybe kind of affiliated with christianity but they're they're just <laughs> wandering they're not part of the church um there's in, in the sense of they may not be going to church or whatever but they have stories and they have experiences and it and it feels like they're kind of dismissed a quite a bit um, mm. And so that's why I would say the the number one and the number two word that we hear the most in all the emails and comments and all that is um, the words alone and crazy. Like I no longer feel alone. I no longer feel crazy. I felt like that for mm. so long. I felt alone. I felt crazy. Um, and when they when you when you meet other people that are on this same journey, that's those are the things that go. Is that that feeling of aloneness? That feeling of, of craziness that you that you have when you feel um like am i the only one and i tell people all the time it's like you're not alone on this journey you're definitely not mm -hmm. alone on this journey and even if you're still going to a church there is someone else in that room with you maybe in your pew that has a lot of the same questions you have that has a lot of the same uncertainties about this whole thing i don't even like to use the word like doubt and struggling with my because that gives this <laughs> connotation of like someone needs to bring me back in someone needs to like yeah. push me back in into the circle a little bit here and help me out but someone is asking those tough questions and, and not ready to take those easy answers. And they're probably in the same pew as you. They might be in the same church as you for sure. And um, yeah, you're, you're not alone. And it's not, it, it, it's, it's set up to feel very scary to read books outside of the circle, to, um, <laughs> you know, just engage with people outside of, not, not in the sense of like out, you know, talking to people outside, but, but having these conversations with people. Um, it's, it's set up to be scary to, to question and to, um, maybe change what you think, change what you believe, but it's, it's, it, it is, I'm not going to say it's not scary at all, but I'm just saying like, I, mm. I, I've done it. A lot of people have done it and it's okay. You're going to be okay. 
coming out the other side. You're going to be, I would say, you know, I, I consider myself at a better place than I've ever been. Um, mm. And so it's going to be okay. It's going to hurt. And um, it's going to feel like you're alone sometimes. It's going to feel like you're crazy sometimes. But just know that you're not alone, know that you're not crazy. And that's honestly why I do uh, the podcast at all. That's why I, I spend my free time and evenings and whatever, like trying to do that is because I want people to know that because it feels like that. It feels like you're like you're all alone and you're the only one that's questioning this system or questioning this series of beliefs, uh, but you're not, you're not. And I want people to know that. So. Hmm. Yeah, no. And it, it's, it's so difficult. I, I, I get so frustrated. I mean, you, you mentioned gospel coalition articles, but like, I, I, I really do get so frustrated with the, I guess like the, the circles that we grew up in, that, that a lot of people grew up in that have since left that form of Christianity where, I mean, I'm not going to name names just in case that like this person hears, but my podcast isn't big enough, but just in case. Um, but the idea like that there are people that are kind of monopolizing off of the present moment when there are so many people um, leaving quote-unquote Christianity for quote-unquote progressive Christianity. And you see these people popping up. They're like, I too was a progressive Christian. Let me tell you all about it. And it's just like, have you ever talked to a, a quote-unquote progressive Christian? And and you see, I mean, the don't even get me started on the American Gospel Christ Crucified documentary. I'm just like, you, you see these people that are are making money i mean i don't know like making money selling books right making podcasts about progressive christianity and it's so freaking obvious that these people have never spoken to and aren't interested in speaking to um progressive christians and and so it's it it really does like hit me as as very disingenuous when i see certain people write for the gospel coalition or come out with a podcast where they're like, we talk about Brian's on for an hour and a half. And we didn't ask Brian if he wanted to come on the show. Cause why would we do that? Um, and it's just really frustrating and it, it, it really invalidates the pain of, of so many of people, so many people. I mean, I, I feel personally disrespected and offended by it. Um, I try not to, but it, it does feel that way. So I guess in closing, I mean, we've probably lost, all the conservative people that might listen to this podcast. Um, but if you could say anything to someone who's still like my bookshelf consists of John MacArthur, John Piper and Francis Chan. And I think y'all are crazy. Like what, what would you say? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're probably not, listening to me anymore at this point if <laughs> but uh yeah i'm trying to think that's a good question i mean i i don't i've thought about this a lot like is is there something that can be said you know and i i for you listening like i i know because i i was there i felt what you're feeling listening to a show like this or being you know exposed to ideas like this um i felt it i felt like they're going the way of the world they're um, they're just, they're just listening to their own feelings. They're not, they're not trusting the authoritative word of scripture. And like, I felt that I, 
I remember that. I remember trying to keep people from listening to stuff like that or reading books like that. And I don't know. I don't know if there is information that can be like shared with someone to, to get them to be like, oh yeah, maybe I do need to, maybe, maybe I am pretty close-minded in, in this circle that I'm in. Maybe, mm. maybe I, I, maybe I am reading my Bible with my own context. It's, I think it's going to be stories. It's going to be people's stories that you hear of, you know, and that's why I, that's why I share my story. Um, hmm. It's because I feel like a lot of people, I, I did what a lot of people thought was like the ultimate, that's what it means to be a Christian, right? You go to the dangerous spots. I mean, most people that's like, they're, they know they're supposed to maybe be more radical. They know they're supposed to be more sold out. But like, I don't know, I just, I don't, it's but life, you know, I'm not going to maybe do that. But they always feel that little guilt. Like I should, I should be more like on fire for Jesus. They read crazy love and mm. they, they try to do stuff, but, but you know, <laughs> doesn't ever, they, they didn't go. I went, I went as far as I, you know, it, it led me in my life and um, to, to standing on a basketball court with, with shots ringing out around me. Um, and I, I just like, I guess just listen, like listen to people that have, that have been there. Um, that have tried to tried to live that way and followed all the way through, and um, and I guess I would just say, yeah, like it's going to be stories that that maybe change people's um, thoughts, change their their feelings. Um, so try to try to talk to people, and like mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of what we've said in this in this show so far. But um, it doesn't happen a lot where someone. Well, first of all, thank you for someone who's listening that you're, you're doing, I guess, a bit of what I'm, what I'm saying is like, listen to people that have had those experiences that aren't, maybe don't consider themselves part of the church. Um, listen to them. Don't just write, even if you want to write them off in your, in your head, like listen to the stories, listen to how and why they got there. Um, mm. And then the other big one I would say is, you know, the, the Bible is such an important um the authority of the Bible is such is so important in that world, and um, and I understand, I, I, I get it, I understand. Um, but I, I would say I think it, another prerequisite for all Christians should be understanding and, and learning what this actually is. This document is, or this library of of documents is that we have, mm. um, because. That sort of changes everything. When and one one place I would recommend, and um, and Tim Mackey is still very much in that world. So I think for people who are like <laughs> haven't deconstructed yet or anything like that, like he's he's a pretty easy step to take. But um, he did a, <laughs> a talk called "Bible in the Making," and he he talks about the very human nature and humanness of this these texts that we have, um, and I think that's really important to know. You know, because when I look at the Bible now, it's 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 more interesting to me than it ever was, and it's not because it's golden tablets that fell from heaven. It's not because it's mm. this uh, this purely divine book that was, you know, the the writers went into a trance and kind of like their hand was like moving because God was moving it for them. Like that's how I guess I pictured the Bible being written or the bib- biblical text being written before. Um, but when we know the humanness of it, I think that does change things. So I think. I would, mm-hmm. I would encourage people to, and that's pretty, that's pretty standard amongst like Bible scholars. Like I feel like Bible scholars already know all this and they're playing with the, <laughs> they're playing with the instructions to the game and that we don't, we don't have, you know, it's like pretty yeah. widely accepted amongst Bible scholars, like what this, what these books actually are that we have and, and how we got them and things like that. Um, and it just doesn't often trickle down to, 
to those in the pews, but I would say, I would say go there and like really dive into this because um, you might, you might see some things through people's stories and through kind of re-examining this, this, this uh, ancient text and group of ancient texts that you have that are everything, mm. that are the, the, the authority in that world, you know, you might see some things that you wouldn't have seen before. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's all. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself as far as what I'd, I'd like for people to hear. Um, mm. You know, it's, it, it's interesting. We, I, I mean, through the podcast, through being in, in Southern California with Francis Chan and being in San Francisco with Francis Chan, like you've obviously seen a lot of transition. Um, you've seen a lot of, of evolution and, and change in, in your life. And I feel like for so many people, um, and, and it's interesting because I found you guys um, at a time in my life where I, I was feeling very um, nihilistic about life of like, can it ever evolve can my faith ever evolve into something better can it ever um look different can like is this rotten fruit that i'm holding the best that i'm ever gonna get and i think for so many people they they've seen this transition they've gone through this faith transition varying degrees of trauma um and for those of like for people that are listening that are in that spot where like I found your podcast and and you probably found other resources like Tim Mackey um, in those moments of like, can these dry bones ever come back to life? What, what would you say to, to people in the audience that are, are in the midst of some of the deepest parts of that trauma? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's th- those emails I get, and it's just like I I don't know a lot of, a lot of uh, I don't know what what you've experienced a lot of times. Like I, I can read the words, but I don't mm. know what it feels like to, to be a woman and be essentially told you can't be in positions of leadership at a church, um, and and uh, I don't know what it's like to be an LGBTQ person and be essentially have to be, I saw someone write this the other day or tweet this, I guess the other day. And they were saying, you know, LGBTQ people have had to essentially be the best Bible scholars for (laughs) forever, you know, their whole life. They've had to try to like study the Bible in, in better ways than everyone else. Um, and you've made them be, we've made them be these people that had to like know the Bible way, you know, I didn't have to know the Bible in order to be straight white male. Like I just, I can yeah. kind of live and be, but you know, we make people have to mm. essentially be um, Bible scholars. But I don't, I don't know what those experiences are like. Um, I don't know what it's like to be. I've heard stories of people pushed out of their church and pushed out of leadership and fired. And um, I don't, I don't always know what's that like, what that's like. I, I do know what it's like to, to change in what you think uh, that, you know, it's, it's, for me, it started as the nature of God and the, what the Bible was and, all these things, like I do know what that's like to to feel like I'm changing, and this means certain relationships change. This means people look at me differently. They um, they're, they're saddened by by who I am now and, and what I'm doing. Um, hmm. They, you know, it's like I had a friend say this the other day of like this line of it's weird to know that you're the 
conversation at a lot of people's dinner tables, you know, friends and people that you used to, mm. used to uh, maybe have a lot in common with when it came to the faith or things like that. Um, it's, it's, that's hard. And that's, that's a very strange, um, strange position. Um, and yeah. it, does, it does change things, even if you try to do it as well as possible. And um, it does change things. I know what that's like. And I guess with all of these situations, just you're you know that's that that line of like you're not alone and you're not crazy like that's that's what i feel like i come back to is there are a lot of people on this journey with you um and even if we haven't all experienced the same things exactly like we can we can be there for each other you know that's that's the that feels like the main thing that the church still has going for it um is is community um it's like maybe the only thing it has going for it and uh <laughs> and that's what people struggle with on the outside i feel like a bit it's like you know, but I miss that. I miss like these people that were with you no matter what. And, um, and so I, I feel like we need to do a better job at that. And, um, I think w- whether it's through a podcast or, um, a meetup in your, I mean, not right now, but, you know, trying to like find other people in your, in your city or whatever that have experienced this, but it, it is more difficult. Um, but I just say, keep going, keep asking the tough questions. You know, I think so many people are afraid of that slippery slope. We did an episode about the quote unquote slippery slope, um, on almost radical <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, it's just, there's these assumptions that like, it's bad to slide down the slippery slope, right? We just assume that mm. it's, it's bad. It's better. You know, this, the whole, the whole idea of a, of a slope is that you were at the top, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is a big assumption to say where I was, um, that used to be the top <laughs> and now I'm going somewhere else. That's not the top. Uh, yeah. you know, it's like, well, maybe you weren't at the top, you know, but anyways, it's not, it's not as scary as it sounds, you know? And I think that's what sharing, that's another reason why I share my story is to say, I'm doing great. Like I, I'm doing great. And I know so many people that slid down the slippery slope and um, are doing great as well. And so I think that's why we need to share our stories is to say, look, like, you can do it. You can, you can go down this slope. You can go down this path. You can have these, um, even if you land in a different spot than me, even if you listen to the show and you're like, I don't quite resonate with that or this or that, but just to, to know that like you can question things, you can land in different places. A lot of what I believe is I don't know what I believe, you know, and that's okay. Uh, And you're going to be okay. And it's not about having the right ideas about God before you die and, um, or else you're going to go to hell. So so if you can get out of that, out of that mindset, out of that, you know, position of, um, I got to get it all figured out. I got to get it. I got to be certain. I got to, you know, it's like, I think I was wanting that for so long. I was like, I knew I deconstructed. I knew I didn't think that anymore. And I just kind of waited. I was waiting for, okay, it's all going to come back, but in a different way now. I'm going to be sure. I'm going to be certain again. It's just going to be this whole new direction. And that, yeah. didn't, that, that didn't really happen. And I think it's been a process over the last few years of realizing like, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but life is just so exciting and people are so uh, amazing to learn stories, to hear people's stories and to just live life and experience things and to, to come to life with all of your, uh, which is, this is going to be, this is going to be hard too. When you, when you get out of maybe a world like that, like to start using your senses again, to your feelings and your emotions, um, mm. it takes a while. You have to kind of work those muscles again or for the first time in a lot of cases. And uh, yeah. it takes a while, but, and just approaching life that way is so, it's just so exciting. I think it's so exciting to open your mind to science and to, uh, just biology and anthropology and all these worlds that for me were closed off for so long because 
I didn't mm. need him because all I needed was the Bible. All I needed was my simple faith. The world is yeah. the world. And I don't just mean people, people are amazing too, but just everything that's going on. It's so amazing. So wonderful. And uh, yeah, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. And the slippery slope is not as scary as they make it sound. Yeah, no, totally. And I'd like to second that as, as I mean, I don't know, as the host, just the, the idea that like you will be okay. And then in, in some respects, you'll probably wind up being better. I mean, I think about some of the things going on for me personally right now of shoot, like if these things were happening in my life and around me at a time when I was still in that certainty mindset, I don't know how I'd be functioning as a person. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how I would be okay to, to just go to work day in and day out. Or, I mean, I wouldn't be doing a podcast cause I'd still be in la la land, but, um, mm. But like, I, I don't know how I'd, how I'd cope with, with some of the grief that I'm experiencing in my own personal life. And I don't know how I would cope with certain things that have been so groundbreaking and earth shattering to my worldview and to my understanding of, of how people work um, if I was still in that, in that mindset. And I mean, I don't know, just life is better. Like, I, I think that's like, I, I couldn't have said it better, Nate. Like, just life is, I, I mean, I personally feel like life is better on the other side of it, even though it is scary to jump off of initially. Um, but you mentioned like life being exciting and you mentioned adventures and, and next chapters, but what's, what's next for you and, and where can people find you? Yeah. Um, we took a break from almost radical for almost a year, um, uh, because of COVID, mm -hmm. but also because of a couple personal things that happened, um, with Tim and, and myself. Um, and we are back now. I'm, I'm back starting the show again. Um, first episode comes out right now, so you can go get it. And we're, we are back in that first episode. We are, we're going to talk about some of the, the reasons why we pause the show and get into that a little bit mm. and, and then, um, just get back into the show. And so there's lots of past episodes to go listen to. Um, there's a whole second podcast we do called utterly heretical, which is my favorite. Yeah. I'm not trying to to plug our patreon page really i'm not it's just it is <laughs> my favorite um it's more like this type of stuff conversational um and so almost heretical.com is where you can find the show and uh there's links out to my personal stuff on there as well um but yeah i'd love to connect with anyone who wants to wants to connect and is on this journey together because it's a it's a fun journey heck yeah no and and for anyone listening i mean I can't, I can't stress enough how much almost heretical was helpful to me. Um, or it, and I'm, I'm, I was so excited when I got your email and you said that you guys were coming back or what, that you were coming back. I was like, please like, tell me that this is not the end. Cause there's so much more to talk about and so much more that needs to be said that you guys have just, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I usually, so I usually end my shows, um, with, with encouragement. I, I, like I told you before the show started, this show was kind of formulated around a, a love for spiritual practices. And I feel like in the world today, one of the things that's really lacking is the practice of encouragement. Um, and I think especially for those of us kind of on the outside of, of the traditions that we maybe grew up in, more often than not, like we don't hear very encouraging things. Um, like you said, it's more so we hear about the conversations people are having about us around their dinner tables. Um, but I, I don't know, like I, I'm, I am so, I was so freaking excited when I got your email and I was so almost heretical. I feel like 
it's it's it always hit me right where I needed it. And we've talked about total depravity and we've talked about um, anthropology and how these things impact each other. And I remember um, when you guys were going through your your sacrifice series and and the idea, I think the the illustration was kind of talking about the holiest of holies being almost like a containment unit. Um, and how the, the tearing of the, of the, um, the curtain kind of released that what was being contained in the holiest of holies onto the whole world. And, and at that point in time, I was like, I don't know if I can get behind this idea that like everything's sacred. Like, I don't know if I, like, I don't really know if I get it. And then as I started listening, especially to that series, like, I mean, like scales off eyelids, like my eyes were just kind of open. And I, I mean, I remember listening to the finale of that series and just kind of weeping and being like, how did I not see this? Like, wow. how did I not understand this? Like uh, dedicating years. I mean, I've been, I felt called into ministry when I was 16. I'm 24 now, like eight years of, of not necessarily scholastic studies, but personal studies and private studies. Um, like, how did I not see this? Like, how did I not see uh lgbt inclusion how did i not see that like the way that we think about hell is just utterly archaic and irresponsible like how did i not see uh, i mean the the sacrifice thing like all of these the women in leadership i mean your podcast was so formative to me at a time when i so desperately needed it um and i i don't say this often i've said this to a few of my guests like i don't know if I would have been able to continue calling myself a Christian, if it wasn't for resources like yours. Um, and I, I mean that, like, I, I really do. Um, like, a, I think of like the sound mind that the man in the tombs had after he encounters Jesus. Like that's like very tangible, like tortured soul encountering the love of God um, in a different way, in a different form than maybe he was familiar with, but it's still recognizable. Like the man in the tomb still knew like, this is God, like this is who this person yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting emotional now, but like you, mm. you guys really, um, really impacted me at a time that I needed it. Um, and I'm excited to see how that impact goes into the future with future episodes. But I mean, Nate, please keep going. Like, please keep doing the podcast. Like it's, it's so needed. I need it. Even as someone who's trying to do his own podcast, like I need what you guys are, are presenting and producing and what you're going to be putting forward in, in this next season of Almost Heretical. And so I'm just really excited um, for you and, and for the future of the podcast. And I know it's going to be great. Wow. Wow. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. That means a lot to hear. And uh, yeah. Wow speechless thank you yeah absolutely but yeah like i said guys um please go follow almost heretical all, everywhere you can find it it's it, supported on patreon like do do all those things i don't have a patreon page if you wanted to support me on patreon you can't so go do it for almost heretical um but yeah well nate it's really it's really been a pleasure to talk to you you too chris thanks thanks for this chat it's been wonderful yeah